Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Julie R. and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, September 19th, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book and we are on page 117, starting with the first paragraph, If You and Your Husband. We'll be reading through five paragraphs, ending with little need to criticize each other. Comments on all. Today's readers are... Jen A, Felicia D, Carmela G, share ID for Tuesday, September 18th, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting is 11,928. For the 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting, it's 11,929. Away preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, who shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence in the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Carmela G. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. Thank you all. Welcome all. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening As a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I pass. Thank you, Carmela G. I will now ask Laura A. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Laura A., recovered compulsive overeater from New Hampshire. The 12 traditions. One. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 
two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group contents. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion, we need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks for letting me do service. I pass. Thank you, Laura A. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the direction for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you're sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 117, starting with the first paragraph, if you and your husband Reading through five paragraphs ending on page 118, little need to criticize each other. Comments will be on all. I will now ask Jen A. to begin reading. Good morning. This is Jen A., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, Anorexic and Bulimic from Littleton, Colorado. If you and your husband find a solution for the pressing problem of drink, you are, of course, going to be very happy. But all problems will not be solved at once. Seed has started to sprout in a new soil, but growth has only begun. In spite of your newfound happiness, there will be ups and downs. Many of the old problems will still be with you. This is as it should be. The faith and sincerity of both you and your husband will be put to the test. These workouts should be regarded as part of your education, for thus you will be learning to live. You will make mistakes, but if you are in, er but if you are in earnest, they will not drag you down. Instead, you will capitalize them. A better way of life will emerge when they are overcome. Some of these snags you'll encounter are irritation, hurt feelings, and resentments. Your husband will sometimes be unreasonable and you will want to criticize. Starting from a speck on the domestic horizon, great thunderclouds of dispute may gather. 
These family distensions are very dangerous, especially to your husband. Often you must carry the burden of avoiding them or keeping them under control. Never forget that resentment is a deadly hazard to an alcoholic. We do not mean that you have to agree with your husband whenever there is an honest difference of opinion. Just be careful not to disagree in a resentful or critical spirit. You and your husband will find that you can dispose of serious problems easier than you can the trivial ones. Next time you and he have a heated discussion, no matter what the subject, it should be the privilege of either to smile and say, this is getting serious. I'm sorry I got disturbed. Let's talk about it later. If your husband is trying to live on a spiritual basis, he will also be doing everything in his power to avoid disagreement or contention. Your husband knows he owes you more than sobriety. He wants to make good, yet you must not expect too much. His ways of thinking and doing are the habits of years. Patience, tolerance, understanding, and love are the watchwords. Show him these things in yourself, and they will be reflected back to you from him. Live and let live is the rule. If you both show a willingness to remedy your own defects, there will be little need to criticize each other. Um, five paragraphs full of warnings, reminders, instructions, and promises for me. Um, and, and the best part is, is this is how I'm going to show up if I'm looking on the other side um, once I'm recovered. Um, and once I found the solution, um, things are going to change, right? It tells me I'm going to be really happy. Um, but uh, the first reminder is that not everything is going to be solved for me at once. And, and that's true today. Um, and then the second reminder is, guess what? I'm still going to have ups and downs. Things aren't going to be wiped away. God is not a magic eraser. Um, and, you know, it, it tells me how I'm going to show up, right? It, it gives me the instruction. I'm going to show up with faith. That's my reliance on God today, right? I'm going to come with a genuine and honest spirit. Um, and then I love this part, right, for a compulsive bleeding, get ready to work out. Life is in session, right? Um, I'm, I'm going to heed these warnings, right? Um, I'm going to apply the principles and then watch out because this is the best part. As a result, I'm no longer going to have to just grin and bear it to get through life. It's going to be a beautiful life, right? Um, and the reminder to me is, is that I'm still going to be irritated. I'm still going to be hurt and pissed off and angry. And I'm still going to want to let the other person have it. Um, but I love the visual here about the small speck that leads into the thundercloud of dispute, right? That's pretty scary and that's dangerous. So my action is that I'm going to avoid that, right? I'm going to keep under control. And that pause button is huge for me in my life, in everything, any type of relationship. Because I have to remember that the most spiritual growth occurs in me when I'm in any type of relationship, whether it's a boyfriend, a, marital, a marriage, um, with my kids, my coworkers. Um, and then another warning in here that I love is, is resentment. Resentment is the number one ha hazard. And then I go, oh, yeah, I think I kind of heard that on page 64, right? Um, so uh, repeat, repeat, repeat is what I remember. I've, it's got to be repeated to me over and over again. Um, so I can have my own ideas and opinions. Um, but what I'm told here to do um, in, this, in this book and the instructions that I'm given is I'm not to criticize, I'm not to judge, I'm not to accuse, I'm not to condemn the other person. Instead, I'm supposed to come in a loving, acceptant, tolerant spirit. This is where I get to show myself, hey, Jen Marie, how do you want to show up? And then once I show up, up in that way, it's showing me that I need to be doing a living, in a, a living amends, right? 
patience, tolerance, understanding, and love. Those are my watchwords. And um, so I'm glad that uh, we got to read this today. Thanks for letting me be of service, and I'll pass. Thank you, Jen A. And it's now time to open up the floor. If you can say your name once, and I will write it down. Thank you. Who would like to share? Sandy S. Sandy S. Melissa C. Melissa C. Elaine B. Elaine B. Lisa J.R. Lauren N. Lisa J.R. Lauren N. We'll take one more. Maybe not. All right. Well, we'll start with Sandy S., I think, Melissa C., Elaine B., Lisa J.R., and Lauren N. Go ahead, Sandy. Okay. Okay, thanks. Hi, this is Sandy S. from Asheville. I love this. You're going to be very happy. What could be better than that? Uh, Old problems will still be with you. What is the core of my old problems? It's two things. One is really devaluing myself, you know, and that leads to a lot of self-hate. And then just looking at the world in terms of categories my dad had set up for me. I mean, I thought these were categories everyone used, winners and losers. And you know for sure, I was going after the winners and just getting as far as away from the losers because I felt I was a loser. And these workouts should be regarded as part of your education and we should capitalize on them. This is a big thing for me. You know, I've been experiencing really being in a sense of peace and balance and just, just it's, it's amazing. I share this every time on the line. I feel my recovery is just going forward, 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 a little bit back, you know, emotionally, and then like a giant step forward. Yeah, I capitalize on all my character defects now. I don't, they don't drag me down. And the latest one was I'm with a meditation group, not a 12-step meditation group, and they're meeting on a day I can't meet and because uh, I have an OA meeting. And I wanted them to change the day, and they won't. And I am so resentful at them. And I am really praying to God to help me value myself because the big resentment is they don't value me. If they valued me, they would accommodate me. And so, you know, with the help of uh, my higher power, I emailed them and said, well, can I come a little later? Because I have an OA meeting that night, and I'll see what happens. The big thing is I can't change my thoughts and feelings. God can only do that. But there's one thing I have a choice over. Number one, the pause button, action, and when I make a mistake, making an appropriate amends. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sandy S. Melissa C., followed by Elaine B. Go ahead, Melissa. Hi, good morning, Julie. Thank you for your service. It's Melissa C., Recovered Compulsive Reader in New York. And, you know, when I read the part that says um, that um, these family dissensions are very dangerous and 
that, um, you know, it's gift telling my spouse to avoid the burden, you know, to carry the burden of avoiding them um, and keeping them under control. And there's like a little sadness to me when I read this because I think, yeah, I know that my husband, like, for a long time just was like, I'm not going there with her. I'm just not going there with her because um, everybody around me knew that I was a danger, you know, like my my abstinence, you know, my my food sobriety, my living in, um, you know, in a productive manner was on shaky ground. And, um, you know, and now like nearly five years later, um, I don't really think that's the truth anymore. And so for that, I am extremely grateful. I don't think my family has to avoid um, those things. But, you know, I'm the recovered person in this household. I'm the one who has a program. And so resentment is deadly. It's it's a hazard. Um, it's a hazard to me. It's deadly to me. And it is to a family. I think that's the stuff that, that destroys a family. And, um, you know, and so, like, I can look at my problems. I love this with a new perspective. It's like um, it's a workout. You know, my faith is getting put to the test. Hard times are referred to workouts you know, where my spiritual muscle is exercised. And hard times are my opportunities to learn. And that this is part of my education. Like, I love that. Maybe it's the teacher in me. I love that difficulties are an opportunity for growth. Um, It really, it is the truth. And nothing grows me up as much as some hard times, you know. And, um, you know, my experience is that the serious problems like, those seem to be the ones that we're much more easily able to come together. It's the trivial stuff, the little speck on the horizon, minor stuff, messiness of the house, household expenses. Those are the ones for me that can create distance and irritation, and it is a privilege today to smile and say, you know what, I'm sorry for getting irritated and speaking in a snappy and unkind manner, and let's talk about this later. You know, and, and that's not avoidance. I don't have to win every battle because, um, you know, I will lose the, 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 the true war, which is, you know, a disease. Um, and so, and we're given direction. When we're agitated, we pause. And I find quickly wrapping up that most of these small issues, they become clearly not worth fighting over, you know, that the happiness of my house is much more important than the mess left in the kitchen. And patience, tolerance, love, and understanding, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Elaine B., followed by Lisa J.R. and Lauren N. Go ahead, Elaine. Thanks so much for your service, Julie. This is Elaine B., recovered in Massachusetts. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Um, I think of the letter that my husband gave me when I was totally face down in the food, self-will run riot. And I found it a year later because I, I was so blocked that I didn't even understand what he was saying, that I had taken on a new lover, and it was the food. And the divorce was not an option. We'd lived separately in the house. And it wasn't long after that that I found vision for you. And the second day I heard, we used to get our ease and comfort from food, but now we get our ease and comfort from God. And that's what I needed, access to ease and comfort. Um, And so because the food had only lasted, what, 16 seconds, and then you just need more. And so um, and I, I, 
I was looking for anything I could find ease and comfort in. And, um, you know, relationship is what caused me disease and discomfort. You know, life kept showing up. And when I put the food down and I pick up the steps, life is going to keep showing up. I love that we're trained in step 11, that all throughout the day we ask God, you know, what the next step is and that he'll give us what we need to take care of what? Such problems. One problem after another. What are you talking about? I thought I was going to have a problem-free life. And by the way, I want it now. I'm on step 12. Isn't that what's supposed to happen? No. We had a long period of reconstruction ahead. And one of the big things that I've learned to recognize is, is I'm beginning to learn to recognize really is my adrenaline. And when I get all pumped up and I start getting angry and I start getting um, triggered and, uh, so, but now I can catch it way sooner than I used to. Um, you know, that this is getting serious. I'm, so, I'm sorry I got disturbed. Let's talk about it later to pause and walk away to get a chance to work this out, to do a 10-step, to get back to center, to get back to love and patience, tolerance, and kindness. When things aren't going my way, that's not my default setting. And so I'm still um, every day bringing it back, bringing it back, and learning more and more over time. You know, I wish it happened that I'd be patient, tolerant, and understanding um, the very first day <laughs> that I that I hit step 12 or have my spiritual awakening. But, you know, it's a program. The only thing we have to do perfectly is admit that we're powerless over food. And then everything else is progress spiritual progress, not perfection. Right now I have a marriage that is second to none. I was sharing something my husband um, said the other day, and my sister said he gets the Husband of the Year Award. And, you know, I would not want to live life without him. Um, and he's he's taking he's following the actions with the steps and going much deeper too because of that power of example that we all get to have in all our relationships if we keep doing this work. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Elaine B. Uh, Lisa J.R. followed by Lauren N. Thank you, Julie. Uh, Lisa J.R. here from Baltimore, Maryland. I'm very grateful this morning for this reading. Um, I'm a, I, I love this. Seed has started to sprout on new soil, but growth has only begun. And being a gardener, I really relate to this. Um, it brings me back to page 12 where Bill um, is, you know, says his feet were on different footing, his feet grasp new soil. And I really can relate to that. Um, I have a lot of flower beds around my house, and some of them have annuals that come up, and some of them I, I have to plant seeds every year. And it's funny because um, my program, I relate my program when I'm out there gardening to, you know, to to how I have to tend my garden. Um, Larry uh, Kay often says, you know, we got to uh, chop wood and carry water. And um, that's, I kind of liken that to tending the garden. Um, these resentment seeds, you know, um, never forget that resentment is a deadly hazard to the alcoholic. Um, that's like a, a dandelion. You know, this tiny little plant can get this huge root on it, you know, um, going way down into the soil and their heart is hanging to get up. But, you know, if, if you get them early, if you tend your garden, you, you know, you can have a beautiful garden. God brings the, the water and the sunshine to make the increase, but we have to tend it. We have to pull those weeds up as they come. And the, the, 
the older and more mature my flowers get, the easier it is to fight off the weeds. But in the beginning, it's like program. In the beginning of my program, I had to work this thing so vigorously or the cares of everyday life were going to choke out everything that was beautiful and, you know, squelch the sunlight of the spirit. And um, I'm, you know, trying every day to just um, keep that thing uh, weed free. Um, they, they pop up. They pop up, you know, now and again. But now I have the tools to the 10th step, the 11th step. I can, I can get that weed before it gets a taproot on it that's hard to handle. And um, I'm really grateful for all of you every day. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Lisa J.R. And Lauren N., you're next. Lauren in Star Hi, One. This is Lauren. Lauren in. Can you hear me? Yes. Thank you so much for that share. I was picturing my garden and all of your shares, and I I just got carried away with my garden and my tools, and and just uh, forgot that I was up next. Um, I, that reading today was so incredible. All I could think about was how resentment causes me or, or I, when I go into resentment, I get into such a bad place and I remember today and I remembered yesterday and I remembered the day before and thank God I have this program to remind me every day that I need to stay out of resentment because otherwise I am a sick fellow. Yesterday, it took the entire day to get my son to the emergency, to a hospital for this illness. And I left him at 10.30 last night, and boy, did I want to eat. And I knew exactly what was going on. I was the buildup of emotions were, had me in their grips. And thank God I have this program because I prayed all the way home that God would relieve it from me. Thank you all for being here and reminding me that today I don't have to eat to get through the buildup of human emotions. Thank you all, and I pass. Thank you, Lauren A. So just to remind some people that might have just got on the line, we are on page 117 starting with If You and Your Husband, and we're reading through five paragraphs, ending with little need to criticize each other. Who would like to share on these paragraphs? Katie G. from Boston. Larry K. Carlin G. Barbara E. Barbara E. Okay. Barbara E. Polly B. Larry. Polly B. Larry K. I could take one more. Did you get me, Julie? I did, Harlan. Good. Good job. Okay, well, we'll stop there then. So Katie G, Harlan G, Barbara E, Polly B, Larry K. Go ahead, Katie. 
Good morning, Julie. Good morning, my fellows. This is Katie G, recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic. And, um, you know, when I was reading this morning, I remembered 12 years ago when I came into the rooms, I was in a relationship and a sponsor saying to me, this line, this is getting serious. I'm sorry I got disturbed. And on my self-will, I couldn't do it. Like, I was born to be right. When I put down the food and you challenged me, you know, like there was never a fight that I walked away from, not because um, I'm an angry person, because I am, or I was, but because of my fear. And what happens is I'm afraid, and therefore that fear turns into anger, and I'm like a skunk, and I am spraying everybody. And I want to be a message of hope today that doesn't really sound all that hopeful, but for me, Katie G, it's like amazing. So a year ago, poor hubs were fighting, and he falls asleep. <laughs> And I wake him up to explain to him that he should not be sleeping because we don't go to bed angry and I'm angry. That was my emotional sobriety as a recovered woman, staring on the line, working my steps, and that's not okay, right? And so I knew this, and I continue to do the work. And what do I continue to do? Stay entirely abstinent and tether myself to God. So last night when Hubs is the 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 focus of my feelings, right? Because when someone's really intimate with me, they get the focus of my feelings and I have this brain that wants to blame them. And I feel myself getting heated and I say something and I'm like, immediately, I should not have said that. I'm wrong. Thank you for working so hard. And if that doesn't sound like recovery, that's okay, because I know it is. I know it is. And what I love about this is I know that Bill wrote this to wives. But what I think is so amazing is that this book literally is like, Katie G, you don't know how to live your life. I had someone when I made an amend to her say, you have a lot of aspirations in your life. You don't have people skills. And she was 100% right. Why? Because I spent my whole life relating to anorexia, bulimia, food, laxatives, anything that I thought could solve my problems, right? And today the book teaches me how I live my life. You know, it doesn't matter. I don't need to be right anymore. And I can see my husband as a child of God. And I, the, the funny thing is, like, I think he owes me a ticker tape parade for doing a program that teaches me how to get to baseline, how other people live their lives at baseline. I don't need a ticker tape parade, right? Like, I need to learn how to be at baseline because I never learned. And thank you, God, I do make mistakes. But thank you, God, they even tell me what to say because I'm not safe without it. And uh, I'm just joyous that I can celebrate mistakes and recovery and not eating no matter what, because I'm tethered to God one more day. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Katie G. Harlan G, followed by Barbara E, Polly B, and Larry K. Go ahead, Harlan. Thanks, Julie. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and still sweltering Scottsdale, Arizona. It says on page 19 of the big book, in the first paragraph, it says, we feel that elimination of our drinking is but a beginning. A much more dem important demonstration of our principles, the principles are the steps. Lies before us in our respective homes, occupations, and affairs. Why are we here? What is the purpose of all this? What, what do we do? Is this about hanging from the chandelier, not eating? Is this about locking ourselves in a room, not eating? 
No. There are three very vital side effects of the working of the steps. We get right with God, we get right with ourselves, and we get right with our fellow human beings. And for many, the third of those things, getting right with our fellow human being, is by far the most difficult. And this is not a program that teaches us not to eat as much as it teaches us how to live our lives free of the desire to compulsively overeat. And that if we cannot live in a society and we cannot function with other people and we cannot go out of the house, what's it all about? What's it for? So this chapter is not so much about the wife and the husband as it is about us and how we react and act with other people. It's not just about um, the husband and the wife. It's about the boss, the coworker, the friend, the person that we know from down the street, whatever that may be. Because for us to sit in isolation, not eating, is not healthy. It, we do not live to recover. We recover to live. And to live means we cannot sit in fear of other people. We must be able to leave the house and interact with them. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan G. Uh, next, we have Barbara E., followed by Polly B., and then Larry K. Go ahead, Barbara. Ah, thank you so much. I hope you're going to use your timer because there's so much, so much good stuff in these paragraphs. I have to say that from my point of view, I put I in front of all the words that said you and the bedevilments. I was controlled by devils. I couldn't control my emotional nature. I was prey to depression. I felt a lack of self-confidence, low self-esteem, uncomfortable in a social situation. I really didn't care about you, but I wanted the reputation of caring. And then on page 60, it says, a life of of self-will can hardly be a success. I was deluding myself if I truly believed that people would tolerate for long by constantly demanding to be the director, manipulating you, being nice to you if, you if you would give me what I want. Others mattered little, but I was the only one of paramount importance. Self-centeredness was the root of my problem. In that sentence, for me, there was hope because if I'm the problem, I can work on that. I can see that my beliefs and motives I can see what they are, and I don't have to project them on others, notably my husband and my son. Step 10. In step 10, I must have a daily recommitment to do the best I can. And as I started to do a 10-step inventory, I was aware of two broad patterns. The first, that I'm super sensitive. I become hurt easily justifiably so, I feel. So with the daily inventory, I'm beginning to see that sometimes life just goes out harsh blows, 
harsh situations and sometimes rude, self-absorbed, insensitive people. I need to accept this fact and move on, not getting unnecessarily bogged down in negative emotions, so time-consuming. The second pattern is that when I respond to a person with an immediate, extreme emotion, that person is often displaying one of my character defects. At first, this realization was most unsettling. Later, when I started examining some of my negative emotions towards people, I found that even more of my own character defects became uncovered. Having discovered this, how should I use the information? Recognizing that I shared a defect with another makes it a bit easier for me to forgive. I try to practice tolerance and understanding, even if the person is making me quite angry. I try to be just and courteous. When I'm doing that, I'm not judging the other person harshly. And without harsh judgment, I may be open to the prospect of understanding the person better. Oh, thank you so much. I do this imperfectly, but I'm always striving because if I don't, I might lose my abstinence. I don't want to do that. I do want to become a better person. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. Polly B. followed by Larry K. Go ahead, Polly. Thank you, Julie, and thank you, everyone on the line. Um, I'm very grateful to be seeing the sunshine in North Carolina the first time in five or six days. And I'll carry on that garden analogy because I had to... I'm taking care of a friend's farm and dog. And uh, after the first couple of days of the hurricane, everything had toppled over and I had to cut things back uh, to see if there was anything that was salvageable. And and I did. And, it, you know, even what's standing was pretty crappy. And, and that's how I felt inside. I was relieved of the weight I could exercise better, I looked better, and people kept saying, you look so great, you look so great, smiling. And it made me really uncomfortable because I didn't feel so great inside. And um, and to be honest, uh, to live in honesty, I have to tell the truth. And that also made me really com- uncomfortable. But um, like today with the sunshine, to see that there are some things gaining and they may even grow better having been cut back. I, too, feel kind of like stripped of uh, the excess falling over branches and now kind of bare and exposed, but I I have more air to breathe, and I can stand up, and I can walk, and I'm really grateful for that, and I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Polly B. And Larry Kay, you're next. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for your service. Uh, can you hear me all right? Yes. Okay. Thanks. Uh, appreciate that. You know, um, these paragraphs remind me of my my last arrogant gasp of of alcoholic pride. You know, and yet just how miserable and terrified I was, and just how full of anxiety <laughs> was intermixed with that pride and. You know, as we've heard, this chapter is about all of the people that I continue to harm over and over and over again. And and as long as I would, you know, that I, as long as I was not willing to humble myself on this point of powerlessness, I'm, I'm going to remain thrashing about in the quicksand. 
And I, I was, I was prepared to go out of this life swinging for the fences. And I was going to take prisoners along the way towards my exit and anyone who dared to love me while they were at risk. And all I had at my disposal during, you know, that time was what I knew. And what I knew was the application of, of rational investigation and contemplation. And there was a lot of internal debate and analysis. And of course, there was constant judgment of everything and everyone and misery. And in order, you know, to facilitate my, my, my investigation of this problem, as I understood it at that time, I would need fortification. In other words, I would continue to eat. And after all, I was going to need energy, uh, you know, and something to help me to concentrate when, what, you know, while I tried to figure this out for myself. See, we are not inflated with pride and power by these steps. The practical program of action is about complete and utter deflation. And it's not humiliation, mind you, at all. No, not at all. Rather, acceptance and surrender that leads to peace and transcendence. That's what these steps have given me is peace and transcendence. Even though I woke up this morning to a pool of water in my kitchen, got a call plumber, something going on. How can there be peace and, you know, transcendence instead of ding-dongs and bagels? to numb out from that feeling of frustration by the grace of God. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. And for those who just joined the line, we are on page 117, starting with If You and Your Husband, and we're reading through five paragraphs, ending with little need to criticize each other. And comments are on all. Who would like to share? Russ M. Russ M. Linda D. from Connecticut. Linda D. Kathy G. Kathy G. Let's stop there. Okay, Russ M., Linda D., and Kathy G. Go ahead, Russ. Good morning, Jewel. Good morning, my fellows. Russ M., Recover Compulsive Overeater outside of Philly. So, you know, it's funny. I'm torn with these with these uh, paragraphs. It's like... Uh, you know, Bill is teaching the wise. He's writing to the wise, right? That that this is the way he should behave to to further the, the husband's um, recovery and have a better relationship. And and that's cool. And I'm like, yeah, my man Bill protecting us and you know trying to set it straight. But then I, you know, I see these things about feelings, resentments, arguments, and all that. And I'm like, like who does he think he is? You know, writing this. To the, to the women that have been battered, beat up, bruised, and emotionally scarred from this disease. You know, I, I, I'm torn with it because I've seen it. You know, I've seen what I've done to my wife. And, um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's cool living in the, in the big book and, you know, reading it and memorizing it. I, I mean, uh, owning it, you know, studying it. But to live it is really a struggle sometimes. And, uh, you know, for me, it's easy. Like, it, you know, I'm just doing what it says. But for my, for my wife, who's seen the, the, the ill effects of this disease, it's got to, it's hard. It's hard because she's hurting and she has resentments and she's angry. But you know what the kicker is of the whole thing? As I'm trying to work through the big book, as I'm praying, 
the prayers in the big book, the thing, the directives that the big book gives me, I see a change in my wife. So, yeah, we have some blowouts now that I'm, that I'm in recovery. And they're pretty bad because we're hurting and we both can feel it now. You know, I can feel it more. But our relationship is more fruitful, if you understand what I mean. It's better. The highs are so much better. And the lows aren't really as low. You know, we're working through them together. You know, last night, we had we we got to talk. You know, it's like with the kids and running around and all these different things. We don't have that little date time, that 15, 20 minutes to talk. We did last night what our vision is for our marriage. And it was beautiful. A year and a half, two years ago, I couldn't do that. It had to be Russ's way. So, you know, there's hope. There's hope, even in, in the most dire straits. So that's what I'm getting at. You know, she has resentments, and we're hurting, but we're coming along by, by just working this program. So thank you so much. Love you guys. Have a beautiful day. Thanks, Russ. And Linda D. followed by Kathy G. Good morning. It's Linda D. from Connecticut, and I'm so relieved and grateful to be a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, This chapter is funny, Um, not in the sense of humor, but because I'm not a wife, I've never been a wife, and as one of the friends says, a partner in training, um, I had absolutely no use for this chapter practically until i listen to all of you it's i've learned so much so what i get out of this now from living in recovery for a bit recovered for a bit is um pretty much what harlan said and larry said um it's this i have hang on On page 118, Uh, live and let live, patience, tolerance, understanding, and love are the watchwords in any relationship. And I had no ability to do any of that as an active person. I lived in fear. I lived in hatred. I lived in self-hatred. I was very self-destructive, and I didn't even know it. I was living like an infant in a grown body. Um, so the only thing that has, um, revolutionized my life is my higher power, is God. It is transcendent. It's amazing. And I can do this, patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love, a lot. And then there are times that I can't. And don't you know how right I am? Finally, I'm right and you're wrong because I had no ability to speak up for myself. So now I'm right, and I'm going to tell you. Well, it doesn't work. Of course it doesn't work. And then I have to learn that lesson, and I've learned it at work. And I'm learning it at work. And it's only by God's grace that this stuff can be experienced, because it's a completely new way to live. It's a way to live in the love and out of the fear. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Linda D. And Kathy G., you're next. Thanks, Julie. And good morning, everyone. Kathy G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Illinois. 
Well, I didn't know I was going to speak this morning until I heard ding-dongs and bagels. And I just all of a sudden got so stirred that I'm so grateful not to be eating ding-dongs and bagels this morning after feeling like after dinner last night, I felt like I wanted to keep eating and I wanted to lose myself. And that is the first time I have felt that way in my recovery um, for a long time. And so I recognized that I had a buildup of human emotions once I called my sponsor and we started talking about it because I'm, I'm totally a verbal processor. So as I read this, uh, the last paragraph that we read today, um, once I heard ding-dongs and bagels, it just led me to this paragraph, and I reread the last paragraph with the word I in certain places. I must not expect too much of myself. Patience, tolerance, understanding, and love must be the watchword even toward myself. And if I show a willingness to remedy my own defects, there will be little need to criticize myself. And I recognize, you know, there, just because I'm recovered doesn't mean I'm not going to have the thoughts of food occasionally pop up. If they do, what am I going to do with them? Am I going to pick up the ding dong and the bagel or am I going to pick up the phone? Am I going to ask God what I need to do? Uh, Get on my knees and say, help. And I did a bunch of 10 step work last night. I didn't even know these things were going on. And I took out a fear inventory sheet and I took out a resentment sheet. And I think there were four things I had to write on and I shared them with God. And if they're still with me today, I'm going to share them with someone else. But just so grateful for all the shares today, for the community that we have um, for these steps and uh, to be here today. So thanks. I pass. Thank you, Kathy G. And we have time for um, maybe two shares. Nadia B. Nadia B. This is Michelle F. Can I be heard? Yep. All right. That's our two. Okay. Nadia B. Followed by Michelle F. Go ahead, Nadia. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service. Nadia B. Recovered Compulsive Reader in Connecticut. So grateful to be on the line with all of you this morning. Uh, what spoke to, to me today, to my heart, if you both show a willingness to remedy your own defect, and for me it is always, if I show a willingness to remedy my own defect, um, there will be little need to criticize each other. And, you know, today I have this um, ability to feel when I'm disturbed because the bagels and ding-dongs don't numb me anymore because they're not there. And, um, you know, when I feel that feeling of whoosh, that, um, you know, anger, resentment, frustration, um, you know, not always, but most of the time I pause, but not always. I make mistakes all the time. Um, And the big book teaches me how to live. It's my manual for living. Um, So um, for me, in order to be useful in the world, in order to heal um, through the steps, I have to follow the directions of the steps, and um, the directions are very clear for me, um, and they are for me. Um, and uh, when I make a mistake, because I do make mistakes, I make mistakes almost every day, um, I have to be, you know, I, I love, um, for some reason it just reminds me of 
of the ending of our 11th step, we must be careful not to drift into worry, remorse, and morbid reflection, for that would diminish our usefulness to others. After making our review, we ask God's forgiveness and inquire what corrective measures should be taken. In order for me to learn how to live in my family, in order for me to learn how to play with my fellows, um, I have to be able to um, implement corrective measures. That's 10, you know, part of it is step nine. And what a blessing, you know, to be able to um, go to sleep in peace, um, making a decision to clear uh, whatever it is there is to clear up and um, be able to implement those corrective measures. You know, I had no power over, I have no power today still, not over food, not over anyone else, not even over my recovery. The only thing that I have today is my actions. Uh, and, you know, I can bounce off my thinking, and uh, I'm so grateful to be doing it with you guys one day at a time. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nadia B. And Michelle F., you're our last year. Thank you very much, moderator, and thank you for your service. I always get nervous when I share on this line. Um, Yes, I uh, can attest this has been my experience. My husband and I have been together for 30 years, and we had uh, one of those workouts yesterday. We were sweating to the oldies. Uh, You know, there's stuff that is always going to come back, money, division of labor, how we spend our time. Those are things that are always issues for us. And yesterday, fear was leading the show, And I was trying to hurry my youngest daughter off to school because she has a terrible sickness in the morning. uh, It's a hormonal thing and doesn't want to eat and is exhausted, and it's really hard to get her out the door. And uh, she was sitting right there, and my husband and I started on, she's right there, this isn't the best time to do this, and... Um, uh, boy, did I get an education. You know, I had irritation. I had hurt feelings. I had resentments. I said, you know, how is this fair? You're easy for you to say you're the, you know, the fun parent. I'm the one that has to take them to school and get yelled at. And, um, you know, I just am so grateful I didn't eat. And, yeah, I learned a lot. Um, I was praying and praying and praying, and I was thinking, why isn't this working? Well, it hit me as I was doing my nightly review, 10th step, Michelle. You didn't do your 10th step. Um, I also had a moment of clarity where I sat there and I said, okay, i got to get all this stuff done. And I thought, right here is where I would have picked up the bite to help me through whatever I needed to get done. And... Um, the realization that it was my stuff. The reason I was afraid, I was reacting because that was me in school. I have ADHD. Both my children have learning disorders, and uh, I got misunderstood a lot. And uh, that that all that stuff had to be expressed, and I was trying very hard to be in this program, but I, keeping a lot of it bottled up, and I realized at the end of this, I could actually physically feel like something lightened, inside me 
because I actually had a moment where I said, I'm desperate, I will do anything. And it wasn't really referring to my eating disorder. It was referring to my ADHD being out of control and my life being unmanageable. But as soon as I said that, it was like a balloon popped, and I felt better. And um, I wouldn't be able to do that without this program. And, you know, with that, I have to pass. I wish I had more time. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Michelle F. It is now time to close our meeting. And the share ID for today, Wednesday, um, September 19th, is 11,931. I'd like to thank everyone who has shared. We will now close with the serenity prayer. And I'm sorry, <laughs> I'll close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And will Felicia D. please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, hello. This is Felicia D. Recovered by the Grace of God in Maine. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly, constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. I pass. Thanks for allowing me to.